Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed Arimawi. Morning, Robert. Good morning, Nasser. Morning. Good, Good morning, Nasser. all. Good morning, morning. Uh, so what do we have this week? We've got a, a great show. We're going to be doing a quick wrap-up of Benjamin Netanyahu, Roger Waters, the Quakers, and uh, an interview Rob did last year with um, uh, Bilal, Bilal uh, Afendi. Bilal Afendi. And uh, Yusuf, you're going to bring us an exclusive on uh, a poor Palestinian, Fadis Salami. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Robert, uh, tell us uh, about what we are going to uh, hear uh, in a few seconds. Uh, Bilal Afandi was a gentleman in a refugee camp who I spoke to. Uh, he owns a cigarette shop, so whilst I was in the cigarette shop, I got to meet numerous people that had been either shot, uh, arrested, spent time in jail, or had family members mm. uh, killed. So uh, which uh, refugee camp? Dahisha. Uh, near? Dehisha, near, which is near Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Uh, and you met uh, Bilal in your visit to Dehisha? Yes, I was walking through there and he said, hey, come over, let's have a chat. Uh, and the stories I heard were you know, phenomenal. It was very, very sad. But I, yesterday I was told that he had been re-arrested. And so it's not the first time he's been arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it won't be the last, unfortunately. And I don't know the reasons. I posted the interview that we're going to play and somebody in Palestine said, thought I'd let you know that our brother Bilal has been arrested yet again. Mm. So we are going to listen to an interview you did with Bilal last November. Yeah. And the same person was arrested yesterday. Yes. Hi, this is Robert again in Palestine. I'm in a, I'm in a refugee camp called Dahisha. And I've only been here for about 10 minutes and I've heard some horrible, horrible stories of the reality of what happens. And you'll see two pictures behind us. Introduce yourself and tell us what's uh, going on. My here. name is Bilal Afandi. I'm living here in uh, Dehesha as a refugee. I live, uh, I born here. Uh, Dehesha refugee camp, one of the famous refugee camp and biggest uh, refugee camp here, like in like in, in Palestine. Uh, here we have, you know, like always we have something new happened, like and not we, good we, things. Not Bad good things. things for sure. Like uh, in, in first of all, we we feel that we are the heart of the Palestinian issue. And always, like here in the camp, we have uh, the soldiers and the, the, the Israeli military. Always to, uh, in the night, they came to catch some people. They they say that they want them. And it's, it's about a hundred soldiers that turn up. Yeah, it's like thousands, like thousands. Of, of soldiers, because like always, they they can uh, like the, the 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 boys here in the camp they go outside their houses in the night and they start to 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 like to shoot like to throw stones on them to let to not let them to catch anyone of course and through that always we we lose like we lose some people like so to explain here 
before 14 days, Ra'ad al-Salhi, he was... His, so like, 14 days ago? Yeah. Two weeks he, ago? He was killed by the Israelis at uh, uh, three o'clock in, uh, in the morning while they come to catch him. So always we have we have here some stories for for the people. Like we we still like live under the intifada things. Uh, and Bara too is like from two from two months he was two months ago. Yes, yeah, he was killed by the Israelis. And how old are these kids? This guy is 19 and this does 18. And this is like one of the like, like this kids, you can feel that they are like very special kids. They are doing a lot for Palestine. They are doing even a lot for, for the Haitian. They are working with association, with international oh, wow. people. And here we have like a lot of people, they are educated and educated well about everything. So, so they're trying to help by telling you know the internationals that come. Yeah. So and Ra'ed, like he's he he was like established a new like program for for the camp. Like he he was working with Laylak uh, Center. He was wanting to do a library inside wow. the streets of the, the the camp. So if you want to read, you can sit near like small library and you take your chair and take your book and start to, to, to read so here we have you know always 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 we we, we feel that we are under occupation always because I think if people and, look at the streets the, yeah. the streets are very small yeah and thousands and, of soldiers come and you can see sort of what's going on yeah and here we have a lot of martyrs like through the intifada, the first intifada the second intifada and a lot of prisoners like uh, who goes to the jail forever like more than 13 people they are in the jail yeah they're jailed for forever for, uh, in the jail like sp like for for me i was in the jail too. I, I spent two years my brother his picture is there he stay, like he he came back before three months he's he's been 13 and a half years for what and for like you know for like uh, resilience yeah he was back. he was a fighter for in the second intifada and he uh, they catch him and they put him in the jail and ju judge him for 13 and a half years. And how old was he? It was in 2002. So how old was he then? He was uh, 17. Was now he's he's uh, 33. Because I, I think most people most people don't understand that part of the Israeli uh, occupation regime is to put kids in jail, set them up for throwing stones. Yeah, for sure. Like, out, for me, like, yeah, for this, like, for this guy who, like, he's 18 years. He, he's, like, still, like, a kid. And he, he was two times in the jail before he did. So he, he, he have a big story. And his family is having a big story. And even if you, like, see all the people, anyone, kids, like, or a big man, like, each family they have a story they Everyone's have something affected. yeah it's very yani we can shoot here you can see like the numbers of like oh so we this, go this all it's like it's it's he's a martyr he was a fighter but all the, all of the names it's the names of the martyrs who was dead in this in the first intifada and the second intifada
and most of them, because we know them very well, like most of them, they are kids. Like, like Kusai, he's from my family, Kusai Al-Afandi. He was killed in 2008. He was 16 years. He was coming back from the school, from Bethlehem. His father, he was having a shop in, in Bethlehem. He go to, like, to, to help his father after the, the school, and while he was passing, they were, the Israelis were uh, near like the shop, and this, they, they were coming to catch someone from uh, Al-Jihad Islam. So while he was passing, they shoot him, uh, like, they killed him. Uh, they killed him. Do you and know of he, any occasion that a, a Israeli soldier has been convicted and put in prison for killing a Palestinian? For, uh, like, for, for killing one, because oh, I haven't found one. Uh, who was killed inside the... Well, anywhere, the, the, because the, the Israelis can do this and nothing happens to them. Yeah, this is, you know, like, even, like, the laws, what they have, like, for the Palestinian, it's very crazy. They can, for example, they can judge you uh, for Tamir law, this, this law, it's if you didn't speak about anything, they can judge you. Or if yeah. there's anyone from the street, from your friends, from anyone speak about you, they can judge you on that. And like a lot of things happening, like a lot, of, like from the Haitia, uh, Ali Jafari, he was uh, dead inside the jail by the Israelis in a hunger strike in uh, in the 80s. So. Nothing will happen for the Israelis, or you cannot do if anything for them. Like they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can do what they ever want, and even they, they like there is a law can protect them. But for us, there is no law for us. Well, you can go to jail for doing nothing, but if you touch a shoulder like a, a soldier, they'll arrest you and charge you for assault. Yeah, for sure, and. It, you, you, like a lot of people here in this time, as I told you, like each time they are coming to catch some people, they they bought them for a security things. There is no one is speaking about them even, and there is nothing happened. Just like they they said, you are like not secure uh, uh, for the area or not secure for yourself. It's very crazy what what they bring and put on us. Well, they make things up too. Because, I mean, I know part of what they want to do is they just want to put the, uh, the boot on your throat and say, we're in charge, this is what we're going to do. And I know they also, you know, they'll get kids to testify to things that they never saw just because they're scared. And then they use this testimony. So I, I want people to keep sharing these videos because I think people need to realise that the Palestinians are just trying to live. And the Israeli justice system, education system and armed forces are continually coming every day. Yeah. and ruining your lives but you all still smile yeah we have to be strong and to smile you, you know like it's still like what we do for Palestine it's nothing because anyone wants like you know like to be to, ha to, to have his, like land is free but still like we are smiling because we love the we, we like the life we love the people we we like to share with the people as like and we, we love to, to 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 show the people that we are like happy people people we are. beautiful people and smile people under any circumstances like we we had a lot of bad things through the Israelis but we have to complete 
if we if we didn't complete, there is no one will come and like complete the things of, uh, on like the way what we are doing, and it, also uh, it's like when you smile for the people, like especially the people international, they they come here, they they can show the difference between you know what they heard about the Palestinian. Maybe they heard that they are animals. A lot of international people came and. They have and they're another, scared when they hear Yeah, they're scared. But when they say that, that we are more welcome, like we welcome the people, we like the people, we, we love to share even the things with the people. So this is what we well, want. Well, I, I encourage everyone to come because I, I, uh, the only way that you can get killed here by Palestinians is by love, <laughs> no humor, way. and food because they're the most beautiful people. And rather than go on holidays, come and see Palestine for, for the beauty but also expose what they're going on. Uh, you are welcome, and it's a pleasure for us to see you here, and it's like it's a resistance for us what you are doing. Because like, the resistance not only to, to fight, maybe to speak, to share the things, to share videos, yeah. uh, pictures, uh, stories about Palestine. So welcome in Palestine, we are Come. good people. Beautiful people. Beautiful. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. That was Robert speaking to Bilal Afandi at the Tahesha refugee camp in Bethlehem last year. Uh, Nasser, it looks like uh, Bibi is going through a rough time. <laughs> he's, he's struggling. I mean, he's not the first Prime Minister, nor the last, obviously, that's going to be uh, uh, charged or convicted with uh, some form of uh, impropriety. So I mean, not only a maintainer of uh, an ugly op- uh, occupation, but also a corrupt one. A crop one. And, I mean, it just goes to the corruptness of Zionism. I mean, this guy is that you know he's had the benefit allegedly of uh, a million shekels, three hundred fifty thousand uh, Australian dollars. He's got cigars, concert tickets. You know, being able to share James Packer's um, uh, secretary, and you know, had the benefit of uh, private planes and whatever. And the the words are fraud and a breach of trust. The fact that he's killed kids and on maintained a, is a, 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 a eleven year inhumane. Uh, concentration camp like hold on the Gaza Strip and 2 million people uh, and the UN says it's going to be uninhabitable in less than 18 months that's all by the by but you know now that he's taken a cigar from James Packer or, or, mm. or um, a, a private jet from Aaron Milchan, a Hollywood producer you know that's an issue for the guy I think, I think it's also important just to mention that it's every single Prime Minister since 1996 has been the subject of corruption charges, mm. every single one Mm. So it's not an isolated event, but yeah. And he himself, in his first term in '96, was uh, also interrogated for uh, there was called something called the BB Gate BB. in 1998. Yeah. So it's not his first time. Uh, but like Nasser said, uh, uh, while uh, we're talking about Israel, the maintainer and sustainer of uh, uh, an ugly occupation of other lands and also the killer of children and, and civilians, and also the creator of an apartheid system, uh, that becomes secondary to the fact that this guy is now the prime minister of a democratic country where he's being interrogated, and which is an indirect, uh, you know, good message uh, coming out of, um, of Israel mm-hmm. that this is a transparent country, that nobody gets away with corruption, yeah. which I think, you know, it defeats the purpose. Well, as we know, you know, Olmert and, you know, uh, presidents before, Mm. Uh, hopefully, you know, in fact, the right place for Netanyahu and his ilk is the Hague. So God willing, we'll see them there one day.
Um, Yusuf, moving on because we've got a very busy show. We want to, you know, quickly touch on a couple of things. Roger Waters mm. um, was phenomenal for for um, APAN last Friday, and um, if you go to the APAN Facebook site, you can uh, watch the Facebook live video. Mm. And APAN is currently editing some professional video, so we hope to have that up um, on the APAN.org.au well, that. Look, he was phenomenal, Yusuf, and everything that we've ever heard or seen uh, about Roger. Uh, in writing uh, in the past, you know, it's a different thing w- when you read a report of what he said or if you read a letter that he wrote mm. um, to actually hear him talk mm. about, you know, A, um, what he saw, B, what he's doing, C, the cost of what he's done, the 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 the, the pressure of Zionism against him. Yeah, and, what, and the reality is, you know, he's Roger Waters. You don't care. He's going he's gonna to perform. Um, but then with all of that and to continue his struggle, I mean, the guy's 72 or 74 years old. You wouldn't know it. On stage for an hour, he didn't miss, uh, miss a beat. He's in ripping Nick for 70. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it was phenomenal. So uh, congratulations again, uh, so, APAN, for, uh, for yeah. that. So the APAN Facebook page and APAN.org.au. We, we'd love for people, um, our listeners to join APAN.org.au, but you can find that video in, in the next week or so. And, and hopefully we could maybe play a few bits uh, in yeah, the coming okay. weeks because I, everything I heard about it, they've said it was just phenomenal. Where he was most... Uh, um, if you will, entertaining is when he was really taking the stick to other performers. You know, when hmm. when somebody said, you know, Elton John, he said, well, Elton John, this guy performed in Sun City. You know, when everybody, when nobody was going to apartheid South Africa, Elton John went to uh, to Sun City, hmm. and and he said, uh, he said, and he said, yeah, I can go. I'm the Queen Mum. This this is what uh, Roger Waters <laughs> said about uh, Elton John, and then um, uh, little Stephen from uh, Stephen Van Zent from the E Street Band. Uh, he said, to, wrote to him and said, "What you know? What do you think you're doing there?" And he said, "And Stevie said back to him, to Roger, I think you should be very careful about what you do and what you say because your career could be over in a heartbeat." Anyway, when was this? This was this is what um, uh, Stevie Van Zet fr- uh, from the E Street Band. This yeah. is um, uh, what's his name, Bruce Springsteen's band. Anyway, and then um, uh, Roger Waters, you know, gave the F word in his head. You know, he said F you. Um, and then he wrote to he wrote back and said, you know, how about we, we should catch up for lunch? And um, uh, Roger Waters wrote back. He said, okay, how about next Friday? He said, and that was four years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. so when the recording goes up, it was very entertaining and very lively. So be sure to watch it. Oh, I think it's really cool also just to see someone with that presence or that opportunity to actually speak his mind. So many people don't do it. And it's mm. just beautiful to see. And hopefully more will actually take upon themselves to mm. speak the truth. And a very quick update, as we know, Israel has um, issued a list of up to 20 different organizations that they've banned. In particular, one group, the Quakers, have been banned from um, uh, visiting Palestine, Israel. And and what makes this particular ban so, you know, crazy is that the Quakers, the American Quaker group, rescued Jews from Nazi Germany and they received a Nobel Peace Prize for it. Hmm. And today, and this was in 1947, they got the Nobel Peace Prize in 1947. And a survivor, a, a granddaughter of a, um, a Holocaust survivor that was saved by the Quakers said this. Almost 80 years ago, members of one of these newly banned organizations saved a member of my family. In the late 30s, my grandparents did what any parent would do. They tried to protect their children. My grandfather, a young man of military age, had little choice but to stay in Germany. 
His sister was not yet 10, could barely remember a time before Hitler. She had not been raised Jewish, so when she returned from school one day in 1938 to ask her mother what are Jews, she was surprised to learn that her grandfather was one, and according to the Nazis, so was she. Her mother searched in desperation for any way to get her out of Germany, and a connection with a British Quaker group gave my great-aunt the chance she needed. Nine years old and sworn to secrecy, she took a train alone to Hamburg, where another Quaker group helped her board a cargo ship for London. I know I'm a, I am lucky that my grandfather, my great-aunt and their parents survived the Holocaust, but their story is not, is not unique. Without the Quakers and their leaders and their Jewish counterparts, we would have been uh, ended up in the, in, in the dead. But nevertheless, this, doesn't, this did not stop Israel from, from banning them. Hmm. And, and to his great credit, the, the head of uh, Quakers, Mike Merriman Lutz, said, We will continue to stand up for peace and justice in Israel and Palestine, regardless of the recent Israeli announcement. Our response to the Palestinian BDS call is in line with our similar support for divestment from apartheid South Africa and boycotts during the civil rights era. era. Our work is motivated, motivated by Quaker belief in the worth and dignity of all people. And it is that belief that has led us to support and join in non-violent resistance to violence and oppression around the world, including the Palestinian call for BDS now and for the next hundred years. That's Beautiful. what Israel does not want to hear. No. So uh, in solidarity with the Quakers and the other groups who endorsed uh, BDS uh, and uh, responded to the call of the Palestinians made in 2005 for the international community to come to aid the Palestinians after um, decades of injustice. So um, you're listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM and on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast uh, dial. So um, in the... Yo, Yusuf, you've got an interesting story for us. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, l- our listeners will remember the Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal, but we've got The Terminal times 9, 10 or 11. Yes. Can, let's, let's start and talk about Ferris Salimi. We have the Palestinian Tom Hanks, yeah. Faris Salaime. Faris uh, is a Palestinian uh, refugee who was born in Syria in 1982. And like all Palestinians of Syria, they are granted uh, a refugee status uh, by the Syrian government and a para-passport that we call Palesti- uh, travel document uh, to differentiate between it and between passports, regular passports. And the travel documents are given by Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Iraq to the Palestinian refugees uh, who had been living there since 48. So, uh, But the problem with this travel document that it does not get you anywhere, basically. It's very difficult to, um, to, to find a country that uh, can welcome you with this travel document. Uh, we've seen that in Iraq, and we are seeing this in the Palestinian-Syrian travel document. And uh, half of my family members are holders of that. We can talk about them later. But uh, today's uh, story is Faris Salaime. Faris uh, is married to a Palestinian uh, uh, refugee who, who held also uh, or a holder of a dual citizenship of Morocco. So they thought because of the war we would go to Morocco. And they did go to Morocco. He was given a visa. Uh, but he was not given uh, work, education, health rights, or permits, so he he, he couldn't basically survive without uh, the work permit. So uh, his only or his other option was uh, maybe we will find a country that allows Palestinian Authority passports, not the Palestinian travel documents. So he is, uh, like any other uh, refugee, eligible for a PA passport, 
And uh, with with PA passports, it's easier to enter countries like Emirates, where you hopefully can find a uh, mm-hmm. job. So he, wa- he applied for a PA passport. He was given a passport. He went to Emirates and um, was given two months um, visa. visa. Uh, in in this two months visa, he had hoped that he will find an employer where he would offer him a contract according to which he can reapply as um, uh, an expatriate mm-hmm. or something like that. He didn't have a, an employer. And then he overstayed his visa, and two months after the two months, he found himself owing the government um, fees after fees. So he wanted to change his situation, and he approached the the authorities and said, uh, I want to pay the outstanding fees, and um, I would like to apply for another visa. And they, and they said, you can only apply offshore, where you have to go to another country. So he went to Jordan, hoping that Jordan will allow him to um, go to the Emirati embassy where he can apply to Emirates again. <clears throat> the Jordanians didn't allow him to leave the airport, so he was sent back to Emirates. And Emirates, because he didn't have the visa, also he was not allowed to leave Sharjah airport. And he spent three weeks in Sharjah airport in the terminal. Now his second destination was Kiev in Ukraine, because Kiev accepts PA passports uh, by arrival. Upon arrival, you are given two months or three months uh, upon arrival. He did arrive to Kiev, and then he said, okay, Kiev is close to Europe, where my other brothers and family members had made it. Maybe if I set, uh, resettle myself in uh, Kiev, I will be closer to my to my family. So he tried to get the PR, the permanent residency in uh, in in, in, uh, in Ukraine. He had no luck. It's a very complicated situation, and he was convinced that if you pay somebody some money, you can you know get uh, people uh, smuggler. Uh, yeah, people smugglers. So uh, he paid a lot of money. Didn't happen, and he uh, ended up uh, paying for a forged Bulgarian uh, passport, where he, where where he can travel, leave. Uh, Ukraine back to Morocco. This, he said, okay, Ukraine is not happening. I will go back again to Morocco. But because Morocco will not allow you to enter this time because of the complicated situation you found yourself into. Uh, so he said, okay, I'll try with a, a Bulgarian passport. He, f- Before he actually booked his ticket to Morocco, he approached the Moroccan uh, embassy in uh, Ukraine and said uh, that I'm a Palestinian and I just want to go and be, be allowed and permitted to live in Morocco, like you know, we are Arab brothers, and uh, but nevertheless, he was uh, rejected. So he he took the risk and booked a ticket from Kiev to Mauritania, which is next door neighbor to Morocco, hoping that you know there is no direct flights from Ukraine to Mauritania, and you will land first in Casablanca in Morocco, and there you can just uh, say uh, I'm here. Please let me out. Uh, but he was not uh, allowed uh, to uh, leave the Casablanca airport. He was sent back to uh, uh, to f- finish his uh, journey to uh, Mauritania. And in Mauritania, they did not allow him to enter. And uh, they sent him um, to Turkey. For a reason, the Mauritanians decided to send him to Turkey. Turkey did not uh, take him. And he was sent from uh, Turkey to Jordan. And uh, Jordan didn't take him. And uh, he was sent again back to uh, uh, Turkey, where Turkey sent him again and again and again to Ukraine. 
and unfortunately he has been in Ukraine airport in uh, Kiev uh, airport so uh, he has been uh, from terminal to another terminal for weeks after weeks and now um, the Syrian uh, government has been approached by the Ukrainian authorities and he really fears being sent to Syria where he might be persecuted by the authorities because uh, the current uh, treatment of Palestinians who flee Syria and come back has proven very dangerous so he might be just sent to a prison in uh, Damascus where he will spend the rest of his life there so um, this is a random example uh, uh, and uh, Robert uh, Faris uh, Salaime. So, so Paul Faris, let's, and I've been jotting these down as you've been speaking, Yusuf. Syria to Morocco, Morocco to the Emirates, Emirates to Jordan to get his visa. Jordan doesn't let him get to the Emirati uh, embassy. embassy. So he goes back to the Emirates with no visa. They go, you can't stay off to the Ukraine. He manages somehow between deciding, paying a people smuggler, getting a fake Bulgarian passport, trying to do the right thing. I'll go back to Morocco, but I can't go there. I'll go to Mauritiana because that way I can book a ticket through. Gets through. They say you no. can't stay. They send him back to Mauritiana. Mauritiana says go to Turkey. Turkey sends him to Jordan. They send him back to Turkey and then back to Ukraine. This has all happened since December 9 last year. And for the past two weeks, the mm. guy's sleeping, eating, showering in a transit terminal in the Ukraine. And as we speak, there is no... Uh, solution for him so we will hopefully make a call for any country to accept Faris Salaime if you ever hear uh, this uh, story about uh, this stateless Palestinian this is what it means to be stateless and um, this is what it means to be second and third generation Palestinian as we mark the 70th anniversary of Nakba so his grandfather had been kicked out of probably Safad or Haifa in the north and he himself now has to go through uh, uh, another level of statelessness um, and um, I, I guess we can say more about the Palestinian, the treatment of ex-Syria Palestinian refugees uh, in the world later in more details uh, but they fall into the cracks of wool. Um, I guess um, if there's uh, anything we can uh, do or say is that we will say to Faris that he's not alone. We uh, we have um, he has our solidarity and he has our support and hopefully he will be allowed to enter any country. Thank you and um, until we meet next Saturday. This is Nasser, Robert, and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam. Bye bye. Goodbye.